Trail and Ultra Runners, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of the Cast. As always, I'm your host, Coach Jason Coop, and on this episode of the podcast, I have David Beach, who is the Senior Vice President and Managing Director for the Ironman Group in the Oceania region, which means he is responsible for all of Ironman's events across Australia, New Zealand, and that area of the world, which include... Ultra Trail Australia, and the Tarawera Ultramarathons, which Iron Man recently purchased. I wanted to bring Dave on the show today to discuss what Iron Man's plans were for expansion. They are making a big splash in the trail and ultra running community, and I wanted to find out straight from the horse's mouth what that means for ultra runners of all different types across the entire planet. Dave has an impeccable finger on the pulse of the endurance community, having been an athlete and also a budding ultra runner as well. And we go through some of that history with his own personal ultra running and how Iron Man initially started to get into the ultra running space. I had a lot of fun with this conversation. I hope you do too. Let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Dave Beach from Iron Man. I think to kind of like start out with, since I've got predominantly a North American audience, why don't you just describe like what you do with Ironman and then what you've been doing with Ultra Trail Australia and with Terra since Ironman has, has acquired them? Yeah, sure. Um, so I look after the uh, Australia and New Zealand region, makes up about 10% of our global business. Um, and... So we, while the name, the Ironman group might indicate we're probably a triathlon company, we're actually not. Um, so we're a really diverse uh, event company now. We um, deliver athlete experiences to over a million uh, customers now every year. We operate in 56 countries, um, more than 250 events. Um, so truly global uh, presence. And our region um, is lucky enough in that it's um, treated as a bit of a petri dish uh, for the, the globe. We've got the most diverse portfolio across triathlon, cycling, mountain biking, running, and trail running. Um, and so I've been in this role uh, about five years. Um, I ran an event company in a partnership with a, another uh, entity, and we got bought uh, by Ironman. And uh, sort of expected to be sent down the road when you uh, when you get bought, but um, they offered me the role to, to run the region. So I uh, lived in Australia for about three years and now back home in, in New Zealand. And so, yeah, trail running, we um, I've always loved running trail, and I've I'd done a few races over the course of a, um, a long um, sort of career as an endurance hack, I guess you'd call myself. <laughs> and um, I... Uh, was looking for a new challenge and someone suggested I, I run uh, Ultra Trail Australia. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's sort of been in 2017 uh, I did the event and uh, absolutely loved it. And um, not only the um, endurance experience itself in the race, but the community that was around it is really what struck me as um, something slightly different from the rest of our portfolio. And so, um, yeah, following that started a conversation with the owners and, um, and then, yeah, ended up buying the buying the race six months later, um, <laughs> and uh, and then that's really been the start of our um, our strategy, I guess, in the ultra trail space. And then went on to buy Tatawera Ultra, and um, we've got another race here in New Zealand. And yeah, it's a it's a pretty um, pretty exciting and, and 
and cool space to be uh, operating. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, I'm kind of giving a little bit of a chuckle because it's such a cliche way to fall into a business. It's like you go and you experience, you're like, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want some of this action. And in your case, and in your case, that was like convincing the brass at Ironman to go and buy this race. And perhaps even at that point, like launch a strategy, more of a broader strategy into the space of trail and ultra running. Yeah, look, and, I, and I'm a little bit tongue-in-cheek because, I mean, the, the two are inextricably linked for me. Like, I've, I've been in the business now for 10, 15 years, and so when I'm – I can't differentiate, you know, my, my personal endurance um, habits <laughs> from what I do as a job, right? So yeah. whenever I'm doing races and, and taking part in whatever it be, be it mountain bike stage races or trail running, I can't take that lens off for what my job is, which is what I love doing. You know, I'm in this space because um, we all are – anyone working in events, you, you have to do it because you love it. Um, and so, yeah, so look, I going into having a look at Ultra Trail Australia, I was, I was well aware that, you know, Ultra Trail uh, running was experiencing a massive boom and that it was a potential area uh, of interest for us um, as, a, as a global company. Um, but it did surprise me um, the quality of the experience and, you know, it was, yeah, it was quite transformative for me, actually. It was, it was awesome. So it sort of that was the icing on the cake behind some, I guess, some early thinking that had already been there. Yeah. And I think that's when the trail and ultra running community looks at acquisitions like this. And as you're aware, I've had some people from Spartan on the podcast as well. When they look at larger companies, kind of like foray into trail and ultra running. And I'm actually not sure if the sentiment plays true internet, like as much internationally as it does domestically, but it does domestically where they think, Hey, I'm already having this great high quality experience. Why does Spartan, Iron Man, the yep. Wanda Group, whoever else, whatever other big organization. Why do they have to like come in and you know like ch- like change this race? And from your from your perspective, it sounds like you changed very little because the experience was so high for you to start out with. Yeah, it's a, it's a really valid question, and and look, I get that all the time. And you know, the the, the big fear is that you know the Iron Mans and others of the world are the big gorilla in the room, and they're going to come in and buy the event and cut the costs, put the prices up and change the experience and try and corporatize it. And, and look, nothing could be further from the truth. We don't, we don't buy successful events because um, we want to stuff them up. We, we, you know, our uh, approach when we um, buy an event is um, take a very softly, softly look and learn approach. And, you know, typically we try and keep the vendors on for a few years so we can learn the ropes and, and just understand the true intricacies and understand the culture around a race. Um, and then, you know, we, we try and identify areas where we can add value to it. And that's not always apparent straight up front. Um, it takes some time. You need to understand, you know, where, um, where you might be able to um, put your thumbprint on it and improve the athlete experience. It's always about making things better. You know, we don't try and make things worse for people. And I know that there's a fear that with scale things change, but I think that's inevitable in some respects anyway is with a sport that's growing as quickly as ultra trail running is. There are going to be more races. Races that are there are going to grow inevitably. Um, and I think with players like us coming into this space, you know, we can put our thumbprints on it around, you know, and typically quite often it's around the edges. Like what, what I've seen in, in my experience in the space is that typically um, the smaller, you know, owner-operator type event does an exceptional job between the start line and the finish line. Um, and it's the stuff around the edges that we can often add some value to. You know, like at Trail Australia, you know, we had, we've got a merchandise team here and we added a merch program around the event, which, um, which went really well. People loved it. You know, they wanted to buy 
a high quality range of running gear um, that was branded with the event. Um, and you know, we got great feedback on that. So, um, you know, we have a marketing team that's got access to, um, you know, a database of millions of athletes around the world. And, you know, we can cross promote things and, and help grow the event. So there's a whole range of stuff, but again, it's, it's baby steps. So it's look and learn, um, understand the culture and, you know, and then gradually change stuff. <laughs> well, you started to answer my next question is, is, What's different, and I guess when is it different for the end user? So you can put yourself in a position of somebody who's go, who has been to Ultra Trail Australia or Terra Where I've athletes gone to that have gone to both of those for year after year after year, and there's an ownership change. Like, what are they going to notice when they go there? Um, so they hopefully they still see the previous owner around because that's always the intention. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've got Tim and Paul here at Tatawera Ultra and, and Tom and Alina and uh, Ultra Trail Australia and, and they'll stay on for a few years because um, in, inevitably these um, these events um, become inextric- inextricably connected with the owner and they're part of the, the DNA and you don't want to lose that. Um, and then outside that, in, in year one, you might not see a lot of change. Um, and then gradually you might see a merch program uh, appear. You might see um, some new sponsors come on board. You might see the experience um, around the, the event venue evolve. So, you know, I, I'll give you a great example. So I ran the um, CCC last year at uh, UTMB. Oh, yeah. yeah. And early, I was there early in the week, and I was, I was watching people cr- cross the finish line of the TDS, which is the, one of the earlier mm-hmm. uh, yeah. races in the week. Yeah. And um, as you'd be aware, and, and most people are, that the, the finish line of the trail running races, um, you know, friends and family typically run down the finish line with the athlete. And I had my, um, you know, my Ironman hat on. I was looking at that going, geez, it, it looks a bit messy. You know, do, do, do people really need to, you know, share that finish line experience with, um, you know, their, their friends and family? Um, you know, cause an Ironman, it's different, you know, yep. you, you, it's, yep. for us, it's the athletes moment. So I, um, I was thinking maybe that's something we could evolve in time, but I'd give that some thought. And then, um, I just, when I ran the CCC, I had a very long, tough day and, um, I only got through that race because my wife who was there supporting me, um, at the 60k mark when I was ready to pull the plug and I was, I mean, I'd been throwing up all day. I was an absolute mess. <laughs> she said, she sat me down and, and I said, I'm done. And she said, no, no, just give yourself half an hour before you pull your race bib off. Just have a rest, lie down. You know, she wasn't forcing me back out there, but then, you know, I had a rest and then got some food. And finally, um, you know, an hour and a half later, I stumbled out the door and finished. And the only reason I finished that race is because she was part of that. And then, so coming into the finish line at God knows what time in the morning, there's virtually no one there at four in the morning. And uh, so um, I I grabbed her and said, come down the finish sheet with me. And that was a really cool part of the experience because I wouldn't have finished that event without her support. And so that changed, you know, this is why I'm sort of talking about looking and learning and understanding the culture before you come in with your changes. So that was really cool. Um, But then the the experience post-crossing the finish line I felt could could do you know in time with something there's no finisher medal at UTMB races um, <clears throat> that once you cross that line you sort of just spat out into an open you know courtyard type area so um, you know Ironman I think does a good job of that experience when you cross the finish line that moment with the volunteer with the medal with the towel through the recovery handed back to your family type thing I, I think that's a, a really key part of finishing your Ironman experience and you know, maybe some learnings from that we could transition into ultra trail running over time. I think that that perspective is is a really good one to have to actually go and 
put your money where your mouth is or put your body where your mouth is. I guess that'd be the better analogy. <laughs> like put your puke right where your mouth is in your case, right? Go out and experience the races and you you dove in with, you know, literally with both feet going into CCC at the UTMB races because that's one of the, you know, that's obviously the mecca. But to to do that offers the ultimate perspective because you can have all of your other previous experience from other sports, but like, knowing the culture of the sport that you're coming into or a culture of a new sport, I think is so in, kind of incredibly valuable. Um, let's pivot to North America a little bit. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to be a Homer. I'm going to be a, you know, go USA team USA and all that <laughs> stuff here. Um, I, I want, I want to peel the curtain back a little bit on what you think or what you know might be your Ironman strategy for North American events that exist or that you're going to kind of put on the ground. Can you give us a a perspective of that landscape? Yeah. So I I look after, obviously I run the the Oceania events and look after our global strategy. Um, And um, one thing I would say is that the, the restriction of the way the U S market is structured with the pretty, um, tight capacity constraints on events with forestry service, park service um, capacity restrictions make it a very fragmented market. Um, you know, and you, you've got Western States with 396 or whatever it is, uh, yeah, athletes. And I think the, the biggest 100-mile race m- might have about 700 athletes. So, you know, for, for a company like ours, which is focused on athletes a races and delivering exceptional experiences at your, your peak event for the year, in the scale environment, um, that's what we're good at. So that's what we focus on. You know, how you translate that into a market which is really fragmented and small is a, is a nut we are yet to crack um, and haven't yet formulated where we're going to focus. And so aside from the scale uh, issue, you've then got the, the, you know, the ownership side of things as well. And, I mean, clearly, you know, a race like Western States, which has, you know, been owned by a, a committee and effectively by the community for, you know, um, since the dawn of ultra trail running is, um, you know, and it's not on the table for discussion. It's just not something you, you, you know, that's, that committee is ever going to be entertained, you know, um, handing over to a, a corporate. So you, you've got to be realistic around where your aspirations are and, um, and what that might look like. But, um, you know, we Ultra Trail Australia has 8,000 athletes, which I think makes it the second largest trail running festival in the world after UTMB. Um, and Tatawera uh, in New Zealand has uh, this year or coming up next February, it'll have, have about three, three and a half thousand. So those are the types of scale events that you know we want to focus on. Um, and quite how we transition that into the US is, yeah, as I say, as a work in progress. It's all scaling in the US is always problematic for races because, as you mentioned you can't scale within the race itself. You have to scale with more and more footprints and with more and more footprints become more like just, you have to double, triple, quadruple your infrastructure. And, but I don't know, I, in terms of, I I don't, so to be honest, I don't know if I can kind of like take that at face value because I still see, I still see Ironman because I know Andrew and I know how you guys work, right? Andrew's your CEO. I know I, I know how you guys view growth and opportunity, and it's not simply a numbers game for Ironman in a lot of cases. That's a big part of it. Totally agree. But it, there's also like capstone type events 
that help that help that help build the brand. And the, and the one that I'll always put out there is like Leadville, right? Mm-hmm. Leadville has the exact same story as Western States. It's been a race since the dawn of time. It's one of the marquee events. There's absolutely no reason for the previous management to like turn it over to another organization. Yet it changed hands when Lifetime Fitness brought it in and Lifetime Fitness brought it in for a completely different reason. We're not going to get into that on this podcast, but for a completely different yeah. reason than it was originally started, you're, you, Iron Man, is not Lifetime. But there's a parallel there where I could see Iron Man looking at marquee types of events just to just to have that beacon, right? Just to have that beacon of light for people to look to. Yeah, look, I, uh, yeah, I think you're right, uh, and I'm not going to not going to deny that. You know, if, if, a, if an iconic <laughs> event, um, you know, popped up and it was you know, there was an opportunity, um, then sure, we, we'd absolutely take a look at it. But you, you still got to build the model behind it, and it's you know, as a global company, we still are formulating how this all sort of stitches together. Um, and at the end of the day. Um, whether you've got aspirations around building uh, a series or a brand similar to like we have with uh, the Ironman product, um, you, you still, each and every individual race has still got to stand on its own two feet as a great experience and a, and a great product. Um, and, you know, Kona's obviously, you know, does that at the, at the top end of that. And we've, you know, we're doing that in the mountain bike space. So, you know, we bought the Cape Epic a few years ago um, with a stage race there. And, you know, that, that's an, obviously an iconic event. And we're now looking at how we, leverage that to um, grow our footprint in, in mountain biking. So, um, so like, well, I'm not, um, I'm not saying that we don't have aspirations in the U S um, because we do, um, but quite how those are formulated yet is still a work in progress. Yeah. And in, in an effort of full disclosure for the listeners and listeners will know I'm all about full disclosure here. Um, uh, CTS has a, had a B2B business to business relationship uh, with Cape Epic before Iron Man took it over and after Iron Man took it over and I helped kind of broker then and brokers it sounds like way too over complicated. <laughs> I helped I helped manage the deal before then kind of like during the transition. So I have a little bit of like inside knowledge on it. And some of my connection with you has to do with that has to do with that uh, relationship. But okay, let's get back to Ultra Trail Australia because it is I mean it is a marquee event worldwide. You mentioned eight thousand eight thousand athletes. Yep. which I didn't know that. I didn't think it was that big. I knew it was big. I didn't think it was that big. What's the geographic distribution of those athletes? Yeah, so um, there's about, for that one, 25%, it's now 20% international. Um, and then there's about another 30% interstate, so coming from outside New South Wales, from within Australia. Uh, and then the rest are, are from um, intrastate, so from New South Wales. So quite an eclectic group. And is that is that any different than uh, Tarawera? Uh, Tarawera's got a higher proportion of international athletes, so it's forty percent international. Um, and you know, New Zealand's a small country, um, and people treat it as a, a bit of a bucket list destination. <laughs> um, so you know, a lot of our events here and that sort of bigger um, international brand scale rely a lot on on uh, international travellers coming into um, as a reason to come to the country. You know, part, part of our sort of um, strategy is around thinking about ourselves as a as a type of tourism company so while we're still you know an authentic experience driven you know event company a lot of our stuff particularly on this end of the world relies on um people using events as an excuse to go and see a new destination 100 percent adventure tourism right i mean that's a huge industry yeah. right now um you mentioned that uh Terra Wera is a bucket list event for people and that that's certainly been the case with 
a lot of my everyday athletes and also a lot of my elite athletes, I've always been really impressed on the quality of the elite fields that you're able to bring in. And let me put an asterisk by that. And, and that's not to say that it always has the best elite field. Those are incredibly difficult to pull off. But I'm impressed because of the location and the timing because it's hard to get those athletes out there. What What is you guys' philosophy on how important or unimportant putting together those elite fields are? Yeah, look, it's it was it's fundamental, particularly during the early stages of race development. And yeah, we obviously can't take credit for this, but um, the previous owners of Tatawera, Tim and Paul, did a great job. And I don't know if you know Paul Charteris, but he was sort of one of the original founders of trail running down the centre of the world. And you know, he, he was part of the founding membership of the Ultra Trail World Tour. And um, he's run Western States and um, is pretty. Um, plugged into the ultra trail community and so it's through those uh, relationships that he formed with um, both other event organizers and elite athletes that he's managed to persuade people to get on a plane for a you know 12 or 14 hour flight and then another drive and uh, at, a, at a time of year when you know uh, you guys are in deep depths of winter so um, he, he's done a fantastic job of that which we you know we're keeping him on in that sort of ambassador role to make sure we don't lose those relationships and we you know transition them over time um, to our business. Is that going to be something that you envision continues for both of those races, that like heritage of bringing elite athletes into it? Absolutely. And it's, it's critical for success of any, any event. Like, I mean, I think you've got to get the balance right. Some people can get too carried away with just being solely focused on the elite athlete component and, and think that that's going to be the answer to, to growth. But actually, you know, our, our philosophy is twofold. Yes, you need to do that, but actually you need to get the, the grassroots athlete experience right from start to finish. And that's, you know, mapping out everything from the first touch point you have with them through your marketing or comms, you know, right through the pre-build up process through to what happens on site at event and then what happens after, et cetera. So, you know, that's all mapped out according to a brand strategy that we develop for each event. Um, and so each touch point that we have with those athletes through that journey um, reflects what we're trying to achieve uh, with, with the brand. Yeah. And I always think you've gotten good exposure with the elite athletes that have gone there because it's, I think on the calendar, it's an advantageous time to put a high quality race out there because there's a little bit of a gap, but also people like going to that area of the world and they like showing it off on their Instagram feeds and things like that, which kind of feeds into, into you guys' MO of being a destination race, right? <laughs> Yeah, and Tatawera is not a. Um, I mean, it's sure it's there's a, a miler and a hundred k, but it's not um, known as a, a. It's not a mountainous miler, right? right? So, right. for an elite athlete who might be in their off season, um, yes, it's still a, um, a, a decent hit out, but it's not going to um, be a, a UTMB equivalent or or something like that. I love that athletes in their off season they can run a hundred k. There's no problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We talked a little bit about the potential or lack thereof of Ironman kind of coming into North America. And I, I really, I really appreciate the, the transparency on there, but I realized that Ironman is a bigger global brand. What does it look like? This is going to be a, this, you, you could take the rest of the podcast for the answer to this question. <laughs> what does that look like internationally? Like where do you guys want to have trail running footprints across the entire globe? Yeah, good good question. So um, just backing up a little bit to the state of the sport globally, I guess given it's really um, phenomenal growth, you'd have to say um, that structurally it's still very fragmented. So there's lots of different series. You know, there's the Ultra Trail World Series, there's the Golden Trail Running Series, um, there's, you know, what the Spartan guys are doing. There's there's lots of stuff happening and lots of people um, 
trying to find their their space, I guess. So that's at the it's a top level. Um, and then I guess to answer your question more directly, um, we want to, or we think the part of the value we can bring to this category is the fact that we have a global operating footprint. So, you know, the 54 countries that we operate in give us a, a unique perspective on um, or ability to deliver races just about anywhere in the world. And so as we build our IP in this space and develop best practice, both, you know, operations, marketing, you know, sponsorship, all the rest of it, then um, we'll be looking for opportunities that um, we can um, add value to those, those um, races that we you know, think might fit that, that, that approach. So, again, it's still a work in progress for us. You know, there's no um, finalised master plan here for what Ironman wants to do. Um, at the stage, we own two two biggest races down, you know, <laughs> the arse end of the world, you might say. <laughs> so, um, so while we are looking and learning and about the space, building our IP um, and developing our relationships with other events and understanding who's who in the zoo and um, what races, um, you know, might be a potential fit for our um, our growth aspirations, then, you know, we'll continue to do just that, look and learn and, and look for opportunities. Okay, I get this. I get the sense by like reading between the lines of that answer a little bit is that you've got these feelers out. You have a strategy. You have these feelers out. COVID probably threw a completely monkey, complete monkey wrench into any of those deals, wherever they were. But you're putting those feelers out, and you're gradually starting to like chip away at this strategy that you've come that you guys have come up with corporately. And I don't expect you to like you know, take me into like the contract line by line item. That would be a really boring podcast, but, <laughs> but to get a little bit more detail on it, like it, does that mean you're going out and trying to acquire races that exist or build races that don't exist or a combination of both of those? A combination of both. Okay. Yeah. So and, go ahead. Yeah. And, and so it, it is um, a process of still, still looking and learning um, and I'd say that the, the philosophy is we want to do more in this space. We just is um, the the global structure plays out, and there's you know different players coming and going, and and things happen. Then we, you know we'll look for opportunities as they arise. Well, and as as you pointed out, right, trail running's still on this like hockey stick growth right now, it, but you, you and Ironman. I believe are smart enough to realize that that's not always going to be the case and you have to build things for 10 or 20 years from now, not from what, not for one or two years. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and look, if um, we may, we may take a, a view that there's some um, areas that we want to do organic growth or you know, new um, greenfield development of, of races. So, um, you know, one of our European um and my European counterpart, um, we've launched a uh, multi-sport type festival in Andorra, and that's going to have a, uh, a an ultra run as part of that over the course of three or four weeks. And you know, there'll be a mountain bike race and an Ironman seventy point three, uh, and then a, a trail run, and you know, spread over a month. You know, we we think there, there might be some opportunity there to um, you know, great destination again. So there's a whole lot of ingredients that obviously go to. Um, making great events and you know destinations one of them um, as well as a great course and um, you know all the rest of it so were you pretty close to like getting any of those deals done before COVID did it really throw a monkey wrench in the system oh look yeah I mean COVID's no doubt slowed slow <laughs> a whole lot of stuff down and you know I think, yeah, I've lost count of how many races we've cancelled globally uh, globally now you know I think it's, that, yeah. it's up over 200 oh my god um <laughs> You know, in our our region, 
think we're up at 12 now. We've cancelled, you know, this last week we cancelled another Ironman. Uh, we cancelled uh, a run in Melbourne. Week before that, we cancelled uh, Saturday to Surf, the world's largest fun run, 85,000 people in, in Sydney over a 14K uh, city to Bondi uh, distance. So, and the Noosa Triathlon, you know, world's largest standard distance Olympic triathlon, fell that week as well, uh, and Ultra Trail Australia. <laughs> So, so we, we lost over 100,000 athletes uh, in one week, two weeks ago. The scale um, so of that is so huge. Yeah. So it's fair to say that that's where the focus of the business has been in the last, you know, since the COVID crisis. But look, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel now. And we managed to get a uh, Ironman 70.3 away in um, Australia last weekend. Um, we got away, I think, three or four races in Europe the weekend before. We've got another one coming up. Uh, another two races globally I think this weekend we'll get up and then next weekend after that we've got Ironman Cairns which should uh, get up so I think you know hopefully we're moving to a, a, a mindset where we're learning to live with this virus and putting in place safety measures around events that mean they can still proceed in spite of various levels of outbreaks or um, you know COVID health restrictions. Um, I, I, I promised before we got on the air that we weren't going to talk too much about COVID, but since we're on this, <laughs> since we're on the subject, I actually am going to bring a little bit of a bridge that is a little bit more pertinent to Ironman's growth in the sport. And this piggybacks off of a podcast that I did with, uh, the president of ITRA, Bob Crowley, uh, mm-hmm. several weeks ago, and he knows the space really well. And I share this opinion with him where, he, he was describing the post-COVID landscape as one where there are just going to be a lot of smaller trail and ultra running organizations and races that just go out of business. They just can't weather the storm. They're just not built for it. You know, they're going to get bored with it. They don't want to deal with whatever the tale of COVID is. And they're just out. And then you combine that with trail and ultra running still growing. And it's still got hockey stick growth, still exponential growth. Those two things combined uh, make for a void that is going to be filled. And one of the ways that that void is going to be filled is with larger organizations like you with Spartan coming in, starting races and, and, and buying races. Is that something that's kind of like in your calculus to kind of like weather this a little bit and then see what the landscape looks like on the other side? Yeah, a little bit. Although I wouldn't entirely like. I, I fully agree that there will be some operators that can't weather the storm. But the thing about, um, events is that there's such low barriers to entry mm-hmm. you know, yeah. anyone who can come up with a, a, an idea a concept can off the shelf they can get a registration system they can build a website in a day they can apply for a permit from the forestry service and the and you know the local council and, and they're pretty much in business so i i suspect that some of the void will be filled by whether it's the same people or new people um coming back after perhaps a period of hibernation and saying, um, you know what, um, we can, we're going to give this another go. Because what one thing we are sure about is that there will be increased demand in a post-COVID, well not post-COVID because it's a, or a learning to live with COVID world. <laughs> yeah, um, there will be a lot of demand. And, you know, we're seeing that already with races that we are managing to get away that um, athletes want to race again. And so, um, and I think that's going to be really, really strong in, in 21 well, uh, you probably share this opinion. I've been like beating the drum on this recently with a bunch of my colleagues. Trail running is perfectly set up to be the first mass participation sport that is at full capacity during like during the tail end of this pandemic, however long it lasts, four years or five years or, or whatever that is. I mean, it's perfectly set up. You can spread out. 
Yep. It's got a really cool culture. People from the huge mass participation events, like all the ones that you were mentioning that you just had to cancel, they want to go to smaller venues, stay a little bit closer to co- home. And trail running and ultra running has that right concoction of events to where they can hopefully bring more people into the sport that are looking for an outlet. Absolutely. So, you know, you may see more smaller races pop up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. You know, so, um, yeah. Well, I, I, so I, pre- I appreciate that perspective. I, I want to, I'm going to press you and I'm going to peel the curtain back a little bit more. <laughs> and once again, I press on go. this a lot, you know, and you can tell me after the fact that you want to delete any of this stuff that we've recorded. <laughs> okay. I'm more than happy to do it. But I want to like, I'm tr- what, I, what I'm trying to do is personally for myself, but I also think the listeners are curious, like two or three years from now, like if you were just to be able to immediately fast forward and get your way, get Dave's way or Iron Man's way, like what what is what does the footprint look like in terms of Iron Man's trail running fo- footprint? Yeah, look, that's a really hard one to answer. I'm, I'm not trying to dodge the question here. The, the reality is, um, you know, what, well, let me put it this way: we've created a successful global brand with the Iron Man product um we're we're looking at we own the rock and roll series and you know that's a a brand that you know um we're trying to add some value to and evolve over time and so i think this this concept of us having um a a role in something global um with our again our operational footprint and our scale and size is of interest now what that looks like whether we do it on our own whether we're partnering with people um I'm not sure, but um, what I do know is I think I think we've got something to add in this space. Um, I think we can, you know, help the sport. And I know that, you know, some of your listeners might laugh at that and go, you know, you, you guys are, are the big bad corporate, and you know, <laughs> I, I love my local race. And I, I think the way I view it is, that as the sport grows, there's going to be a role for lots of different types of events and players in this space, and there will always be a space for the local, you know, smaller. Um, you know, ultra trail running event. And if, if that's your cup of tea and that's where you want to stay and, you know, um, you may pay a lower entry fee, I don't know, whatever the difference is that spins your wheels, it might be just with the people from your local community that you like running with, then that's great. Those races will continue and there's a role for those. Um, what what I'm saying is, I guess, there's also a role for um, something perhaps of a slightly different scale that stitches stuff together globally, you know, and there's been a couple of plays at that already with the Ultra Show World Tour and, you know, UTMB is obviously the, the, the biggest at the moment um, in terms of scale and, and I guess profile, they could argue the toss with its Western States or, or UTMB, but two quite different kettles of fish. And they, they illustrate, I guess, the fragmented nature of the sport and, and the different um, philosophies that, that go into it. But, you know, I've, I've been to UTMB twice now and, um, I think it's great. I mean, f- for me as, as a runner, that that's doing a, a race of that, those sort of durations and distance with a, a, a large number of people in the big show, you know, it works for me personally. I think it's great. That start line experience, you know, at UTMB is you know, one of the world's best start line experiences of any sport. It's phenomenal. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but, and then, but as I say, there's also a role for, you know, the smaller races. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure that answers your question. No, 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 <laughs> I, I, I get it. You're not trying to dodge it. I know that you can't like uh-huh. totally, totally predict the future. And trust me, I mean, I've been in those types of strategy sessions and asked ourselves, 
what's our three year strategy? And those are really hard answers mm. to kind of, you guys are still a business with real capital constraints and real people constraints. And as COVID yeah. is illustrating real environmental constraints that are kind of like placed on you. So I, I get it that you, that there's not unlimited amounts of everything that you can just kind of do what you want. But I will, I will echo your concern as like, not concern, but your comment as a member of the community that I, I feel it's good for the sport to have the diversity of small races, races that are run by, you know, mom and pop, one person, two person, they'll always be run that way. Races that are kind of organized into like regional clusters of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. and then bigger global organizations like you and Spartan and whoever else kind of comes along because that diversity is good. You can pick wherever you want to go. Yeah. If you don't like this experience, you can go over to that experience. And that's good for the, for kind of for the economy of the sport as a whole. That's good for the athletes at the end of the day. It's good kind of up and down the chain, all the manufacturers and things like that to have that diversity. It doesn't have to be one way or the other, I guess is what I'm saying. No, I 100% agree. And I guess what we try to do at that, that sort of top scale end is we, we try to take the best bits of what um, a sort of more localized event has, and that's, you know, putting a face on the event, you know, um, and personalizing it. And, um, you know, because what, what you find is like in the, in the, like the 100 staff we have in our region, they are just as passionate about events as the Mar and Pa operator. You, know, you don't come into this industry and work in an Ironman or Spartan or whoever unless you love what you're doing because it's hard, it's bloody hard work. It's just as hard work. You know, I've, I've done the small, you know, oper- owner operator thing in the event space. I know what it's like and I work just as hard today and I'm just as passionate today in, in my role as I was uh, back then. And you do it because you love it. Um, and yeah, you might have, you know, you might have to apologize because we're a business and actually, you know, we are a for-profit entity, but I think that drives a certain level of um, sharpness and efficiency around making sure you know the athlete experience. But yeah, you know, my team don't. That we love it when we get our athlete satisfaction survey results back. That, that's our measure of whether we've nailed a race, not how much money we've made. And so that the team get out of bed every day and, and give it a hundred percent to create the best athlete experience we can, and and that's what motivates and drives us. And I think that that at the scale end will translate into, um, you know, a, a good thing for ultra trail running in the long term. I'm, I'm familiar with those athlete satisfaction surveys. Cause I've had uh, several athletes that have taken <laughs> them and I've taken them myself. Uh, let, let's set this up a little bit. How long has Ironman been doing that within the Ironman distance or the Ironman, like the Ironman races, R- ballpark, ballpark. Yeah, oh, I'd say I'm guessing, but it's well pre my time. Uh, it'd be 10, 15 yeah. years, if L- not longer. A yeah. long time is kind of what I'm getting yeah. at. And yeah. it, typical customer satisfaction survey tells us about this, tell us about that. What can we improve? All this other stuff. Yeah. Is that something that you implemented with, with ultra, uh, ultra trail Australia and with Terrawera? Yeah, absolutely. And what is, is, so you've seen both kind of sets of feedback or types of feedback from the trath, from the triathlons that have been more established within your organization and the trail races that you took over that you kind of implemented a, 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 po, a, a consumer satisfaction survey or customer satisfaction survey. What's the difference between the two or is there a difference between the two? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one to answer with there's a difference, but I, I guess, um, yeah, like I would say, I mean, Ultra Trail Australia last year and the 2019 edition was the second highest uh, score on overall satisfaction globally of any event in the portfolio. Wow. 
And I mean, our team here absolutely live and breathe these these stats. So we, I mean, I don't want to start skiting about Oceana, but you know, last year we won best overall Ironman, I think it was best 70.3, best marathon and best ultra trail um, event and best mountain bike event, I think it was. So, you know, we live and breathe these. And, and, and again, it comes back to that customer experience. So um, it, trying to um, deliver those to the, the, the best way we can is, is what we're about and what we love doing. And um, yeah, so whether there's a difference between ultra trail running and Ironman depends on the circumstances around the event and, you know, what, what's happening in the cycle of its growth and development. But um, yeah. Well, as you know, the customers are always right and they will always tell you they'll tell you when oh, yeah. they get it wrong <laughs> for certain <laughs> they'll also tell you when you get it right and so i always think that those customer satisfaction surveys are usually an overinflated view of what you've got wrong and underinflated view of what you've got right and you've got to sift through that can can I, we we've done this within our organization too and i'm this is completely satiating my own curiosity there's probably very little value to the audience out there but it's my <laughs> podcast will do whatever i want to do what's your what's your hero metrics or metrics off of those surveys like the one or two questions that you really focus in on um the key one is rate your overall satisfaction okay and what we do is say so we scale of one to five so uh, five is outstanding, four is, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Three is average, you know, whatever. So we total up the four and f- the number of people who take the four and five boxes. Um, and, and then that we sum that out of a hundred percent. And that's how we say, uh, that's our sort of benchmark rating that we use. So, um, last year, ultra trail Australia, 98% of people ticked box four or five. That's good. For overall satisfaction. And that's the one thing that rises to the top, just what your overall yeah. satisfaction is. Huh? Yeah, we, there's a we, whole lot of stuff that sits under that with courses and aid stations and you know all the rest of it, but that's that's the metric. We use the cliche, this is peeling back a curtain on CTS a little bit, don't mind. <laughs> we, we use the cliche, and I think very valid, would you recommend this to a friend? Because it's, yep. it's more of our camp product that we do this on, which is not dissimilar to your race product, but we look at it as, is it good enough for somebody to say, hey, you guys need to go to this? Yep, a little bit yeah, different we, than race, but yeah, no, that's a good. That's another good uh, good rating system as well. So, um, and like you say, you, when you get it wrong, you <laughs> they <laughs> definitely tell you. We, we what? Learned, so we pretty quickly that the the, um, the this image of the um, soulful uh, trail runner who's in touch, you know, with the community themselves and nature, and is is very uh, generous of spirit, which is generally describes most people. Um, can disappear pretty quickly if you, if you get something wrong in the race. <laughs> well, and people have choice, right? I mean, mm. we, we, we present a lot of times, you know, when we think about areas that are growing, which trail running is, we think about it as something where you put anything up and the demand will, it will immediately be satiated, but that might initially be true or not probably initially true, but that's not true long-term because people are going to have choice. People can kind of go anywhere. And if you're not putting up a high quality product, people will just go find something else. That's it. And you know, it comes to our priorities. You just got to come back to the basis. Uh, you know, the priority one is a safe race, right? So you, you, you just make sure, you know, and learning um, safety around a um, ultra trail event is different than, you know, an Ironman event, for example, or a road marathon that we might operate. So, 
it's been you know, a place we've treated very carefully and that's always number one. Um, and then, you know, you go through the priorities after that and make sure, you know, course marking, you know, aid station food, you know, you get all you got to, you can never take your eye off the basics with this and, you know, start focusing on, you know, too much sponsorship or merch or, or whatever it might be. And, you know, you, you lose your way pretty quickly. So, you know, what's clear from our athlete, you know, back to the survey results is that you, you can peel away all the other stuff, but you have to get the basics right and deliver that to the best possible standard you can. And then you build, build around that. That's a really intuitive approach. I, I, I can really appreciate that. Um, I, I want to go a little bit back to your strategy and I think I'm going to set you up for a lot of people that are going to ask for this job. So you, you mentioned that the way that the way that Ironman found ultra trail Australia and Tarawera was just you going there and you said, it's an awesome event. Let's, let's figure out how to be a part of this. I had a great experience there. Is that a way that you're going to use to scout other areas in the world? And I imagine if you say yes, you're going to get a hundred resumes after this after this podcast airs. <laughs> uh, let, let me put it this way: it's certainly part of the equation, and you know, I think you just can't beat the firsthand experience. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm I'm lucky enough in my in my current role that I, I do. Um, Oh, and we have a team that um, affords me the opportunity that I don't have to be on the tools as much as I used to and that I can turn up to a lot of our own races and do them and experience them and you know, provide feedback and, and put that athlete hat on. And um, like last year, I did about eight of our events in our portfolio, just different races and, you know, things are looking good the night before. The weather's good. The team are in good shape. Oh, you know, if I can jump in, you know, I will. And um, I think that's, uh, you know, as we translate that to scouting, I guess, for different opportunities in the future, um, then, you know, absolutely getting a first-hand runner's experience around what a, what a race is like is, um, is important. But yeah, just part of the equation, I guess. But you know, what you're yeah. what you're saying is is you're filling that role internally because everybody wants to fill it. Everybody wants to go and scout the races themselves versus you putting out a job wreck saying we're looking for this person because you would get a lot of people apply for that job. Yeah, that would be a great job. That would be a pretty cool job. I'm giving you I'm giving you business ideas. I told you this is going to be mutual <laughs> mutually beneficial for both for both you and I. There's there's my contribution. I gave you a way to solve the scaling problem is to hire for somebody that's sole job is to go around and do the races from a first person athletic perspective and report back to you. <laughs> but I mean, I think in some respects, though, it's, it's becomes for the races that have been around for a while, um, self-determining because the races that succeed and grow have to deliver a good athlete experience. So, you know, by definition, if a race has got the brand has been successful and it is growing, there's only so many new customers you can fill in a pipe um, if you're tuning out, you know, ones that are unhappy at the other end before a race, you know, gets a bad rep and, and people don't, you know, they stop coming. So um, you can sort of pick it. Um, just from, you know, the growth story around an event as well. Okay. Well, if you want to, we'll put your email address in the show notes. People can email you for, <laughs> for the, for the role. I'm going to push for this. Um, I want to, I want to kind of leave, uh, the, I, I want to kind of like leave this podcast on kind of a discussion around elite athletes. Cause this is something that's really near and dear to my heart. And it's also something that I think Ironman has done impeccably well. And I don't say, and, and they haven't done it impeccably well just because they were the first and they've been around for the longest. Like that's been an intentional cultivated part of the Ironman brand to bring in all these fantastic athletes from different disciplines and from Olympic, uh, Olympic distance triathlon to compete in Kona 
the kind of the premier stage year after year. And it's an, it's an awesome elite athletic event. And I think personally, this is me getting on a soapbox about elite athletics. I think that that level of competition, when it's concentrated in that fashion, and that's the thing that I want to focus on when mm. it's concentrated in that fashion, all on the same stage, the same people every year, year in, year, year in and year out competing for the exact same title. It brings the best out of everybody that catapults and has catapulted Iron Man into the into the stratosphere that it's in right now, or it's a big it's a big part of it. Trail and ultra running, despite ourselves, we have not been able to figure that out. As you mentioned, it's really fractured, and mm-hmm. one of the ways it's really fractured that I don't think we spend enough time talking about is on the elite athlete competition. So you've seen it at Iron Man. Let's wave Dave's magic wand. Give me a lot of power in this podcast, by the way. Let's wave Dave's magic wand. Let's say, listen, we were going to do this in trail and ultra running. We want one big stage where everybody comes, everybody competes, and it's going to catapult the sport. Learning from the lessons of Ironman, what does that look like? Yeah, look, I wouldn't say it's necessarily given that the Ironman model um, is the only model that would work um, for ultra trial running. I mean, I think it's it's a model that has worked well for Ironman. Look, 100% agree, no doubt. I mean, Kona's the great showpiece of the sport and has been responsible for phenomenal growth. One sidebar comment, though, is that for 80% of athletes lining up on the start line of the 40-plus regular Ironmans around the world, no intention of trying to qualify for Kona. Yes, they might have heard about it through Kona. They're inspired by it. Um, but, you know, they're there for their own personal journey and reason. That There is a key difference here, I think, um, in ultra trail running is that I'd say there's a higher proportion of people doing ultra trail running for their own personal reasons and journeys rather than competing, if you like. So they're competing <laughs> with themselves rather than their, their, their neighbor. Are you trying laughing. to say the Ironman community is overly competitive with each other? No, is no, that what no, you're trying to say? Come no, on, no. come on. You don't have to be a diplomat here. <laughs> Look, no, genuinely not for the, I think it's a proportional thing, right? It's a, it's a mixed bag, right? But yeah, I would yeah. say there's a higher proportion of people doing Ironman triathlons who, you know, the first, if you've, if you've done, have you done an Ironman? I have not done an Ironman, no. Okay. The first question you do, if you say you've done an Ironman, the first question is, you know, what was your time? Or yep. marathon, what was your time? Uh, right? If you say you've done Ultra Trail Australia, no one really yeah. cares about your time. Yep. Or, you know, yep. it's it's about did you finish? What was your journey like? You know, what were the people like along the way? It's it's quite a different culture. Um, oh, yeah. And I think that'll change a bit as it, and the cultures always evolve over time. But, um, sorry, we've gone in a rabbit hole here, but back to your question um, around what the right model is, you know, maybe it's um, a tennis type model and there's a grand slam of, of four, you know, um, sort of world events that, that stitch together or, you know, there's different ways you can do it. What I would say though, is that I think the demands on athletes of regularly running elite athletes, um, you know, hundred K or hundred mile or whatever the, you know, the ultimate distance ends up being at that world level. Um, you, you can't ask too much of people to run too often. I think that's, you know, part of the challenge of the fractured nature of the sport at the moment is that, you know, elite athletes have this challenge of, you know, do I go and race here for um, a bit of, you know, limited prize money, but I've got an endorsement here. What's the coverage of this race like? Do I do, you know, this because it's on the Ultra Show World Tour and I might get some points and that adds up towards the end of the year. It's, you know, it's, it's all over the place, to be honest. So I think, um, you know, how this evolves is, is yet to be seen, um, but there's no one single answer, I would say. Yeah. And so there's going to be plenty of people that disagree with me and that's fine. We can agree to disagree. It's no, 
you know, a lot lost or anything like that. But I personally think the sport of trail ultra running is better served, at least at the elite level, to have some more, maybe not an ultimate point of concentration, but at least some more concentration where you get the like a bigger concentration of the best athletes competing on the biggest stages because of what you just mentioned. They yeah. get so strung out throughout the year that it's hard to put together like a really marquee or you know, beacon type of performance that everybody kind of gets attracted to. And that, and that's sinisterly because I'm in it for the health of the sport, right? I make my living coaching athletes in the sport. I think that's good for the health of the sport when you have those things, because the competition is just, it's just good for everybody. 100% agree. So maybe yep. Ironman can help with that. That's my, that's my calling yeah. to yeah. you because you, you want, you have the, well, first off, I mean, I, I mean, you know, you're kind of, you're, we're kind of joking because this is like self-serving for you as well. But I do think that with Ironman's kind of pedigree in creating elite, elite sport, you have a blueprint, not the blueprint or the exact blueprint but at least mm. a blueprint to say, okay, here's how it could like potentially be shaped. And it doesn't have to look exactly like this, you know, thing that we've built with Kona, but there's at least something there to draw from. And right now, as you now have the experience of even going to UTMB, there's really not a lot to draw from, you know? Yeah. And when you do get that sort of concentration um, of all the best athletes, it, it makes for spectacular viewing and, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. It so, cool. um, you know, and you'd have to argue that happens sort of may, two, maybe three times a year at the moment, you know, UTMB, Western States and, you know, Leadville, Hard Rock, you know, maybe there's a bit, there's a few others around, but, um, yeah. Agreed. I would say even then though, like the number of people that, can cross over between those two races. One, they're obviously like way different races, but the competitive landscape kind of almost makes them mutually exclusive. But that that's always been, that's always been a, just like a desire of mine to see more and more of, and nobody's going to be able to like flick a light switch and have like the magic answer. It's just, it's a gradual movement towards the, a concentration of elite level competition is the way that I would put it. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be great for the sport, not you know, not just for the elite athletes and the profile and, you know, um, the ability for people to earn a decent living off it or whatever it might be. I think it's, you know, it's good for the overall growth of the sport and inspiring, you know, more people off the couch and, um, you know, into trail running. Well, that's so that's my subtle nudge for you to help with that <laughs> completely selfless, done, selfish. Man. All right, there you go. Awesome. Um, all right, Dave, I appreciate your time coming on the podcast today before, before we let you go, just on a personal note, since you're now like getting into this ultra marathon world, what's next for you? Like what ultra are you, they're going to like sinisterly scout out to like bring on board to the Ironman brand or which one do you actually genuinely want to do once COVID's all are done with? Uh, genuinely want to do, I was entered in the TDS this year, um, <sighs> which I'm pretty hard. disappointed about. That's so hard. That race is so hard. Yeah. So, um, but uh, given we're still pretty much locked down away uh, in little old New Zealand, there's a um, quite a well-known race here called the Kepler, uh, which is a 60k run in the Southern Alps, which I did many years ago. Um, and uh, yes, I'm I'm uh, managed to get online and in the allotted time and uh, get an entry. And so, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing that in December. And then, um, yeah, we'll see when these international borders open up and see what the future holds. But um, Well, if you're at TDS, I will be there. And I'll, I'll help you crew out. Look me up. We'll have to connect then. I love that race. I like TDS because it, you can 
watch and help athletes out at that race and still be a part of the UTMB CCC deal. It's hard to do UTMB and CCC at the same time. It's I crossed one year, I crossed like the borders like 19 or 21 times or something like that. Just driving my car like an idiot around the, around the house. (laughs) Um, uh, but, but, but TDS, the way that set up kind of early in the race, it's great. You can do it. And once you're done, you can watch everything else and it's cool. Yeah, and we have an ultra trail world tour meeting around the event. Um, you know, the last couple of years, so it's uh, it works well. I've got to be up there anyway. So um, most of the people on the uh, on the tour um, have a some sort of race around uh, UTMB. So yeah, it's good. Awesome, it's a great event. Well, thanks again for your time. Um, before we leave, where can uh, athletes kind of learn a little bit more about Terrawera and Ultra Trail Australia or any of the other races that you're involved with? Yeah, just just Google Ultra Trail Australia, Tatawera Ultra Marathon um, down here. And uh, yeah, once those borders get open, we would welcome your lovely North American audience to come down here and uh, experience a bit of um, yeah down under hospitality and um, and see our beautiful countries. It's cool. Every I, I've never been down there, but every single athlete that I've sent to either one of those races raves about it. They are the people that score fives or put down fives on your <laughs> athlete satisfaction surveys. They'd put 10 if they could put 10. Well, the thing is that people think they're coming for the, the race and the, the course and the achievement of their goal, but what they always walk away from, and I take this philosophy across all our events, is the people. And, you know, I think um, Australians and New Zealanders do a, a pretty good job at welcoming people and, you know, um, they walk away with the friendships and the connections and, and that kind of thing. So um, we put a lot of work into making facilitating those uh, those opportunities for people so that they um, walk away with um, some, yeah, some new friends. Awesome. I hope people get to experience it, Dave. Thanks for your time again. Thanks, Jason. Great to meet you. Oh, that was fun. Thanks a lot, Dave, for coming on the podcast. We had a lot of laughs with this one. I will absolutely touch base with you the next time we get to see each other at an ultra run. Hopefully it's TDS. Maybe I'll make my way down to Tarawera or Ultra Trail Australia. I would encourage all the listeners out there to check those two events out. They are absolutely amazing to the best ones in the world. Thanks again, Dave, for coming on the podcast. Thank you to all the listeners. Appreciate the heck out of each and every one of you. We will see you out on the trails.